0: Welcome to the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. Going from animator in the big studios to my own studio of one, to directing the development of yet another new series at Space Station Animation, while continually crafting these passion projects, these 10 dynamic feature film pitches, the objective is always to master the art of telling deeply meaningful stories. Today, we have the amazing Mark Andrews on the Directing Animation Live cast. If you research Mark, you will go down a rabbit hole that just has no end, it seems. But all of this seemed to originate in this one film called Quest for Camelot that many of the most inspiring people I've seen in the industry started on that film. So the work you would know from Mark is Brave. He was the co-director on that on Incredibles, Iron Giant, all these incredible films, and the most recent project was Super Giant Robot Bros, which is a production that was done in record time. It was just an amazing, inspiring thing to to witness, and I'm so happy to have you on, Mark. Is there anything you'd like to add to that?
1: Uh, No, that's great, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm super excited to get into this conversation. Sadly, I have to do a little shameless plug. Right now, I have a Kickstarter going on about... It's called Masked Magic. It is one of my feature films that I've done as a book. So it's an illustrated novel. You can check that out at scottweiser.com slash mask. There are 11 days left on the campaign. It's a super fun project, great story. And you can also buy the other books that I've done in the past there as well. So, all right, let's get into this. We started talking beforehand. It was a really juicy conversation already. So I really want to talk about the production of Supergiant Robot Bros. And then we'll go into more depth about uh, your process and how you bring so much awesomeness to whatever project and studio you're you're working on. So starting with Supergiant Robot Bros, explain the pipeline of that project and how you did it so quickly. And, And actually, how quickly did you do it? I can't remember
1: exactly. We did it very quickly. We turned out about five hours of content in a little less than two years. So uh, <laughs> full, fully, fully animated. So that's, that's, that's a, you know, a record breaker and a game changer, you know, yeah. in and of it, in and of itself.
0: So. That's different than the one and a half hour of Toy Story 3 that took 10, right? <laughs> and yes, some of them would take yes. about four. It was kind of the average, but yeah. Yeah, great. yeah,
1: you know, it's not it's not a feature, you know, where it's episodic, you know, it's out on Netflix now. So I'll do my shameless plug. Everybody go watch Super Supergiant Robot Brothers. Yeah, it's my nephew's favorite show. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: he'll let you know that. He loves it. My
1: kids love it, too. I have been dabbling in different production pipeline methods after Brave. I had done John Connor of Mars live action with Andrew Stanton. Oh, amazing. I come back to the Pixar And they asked me to take over directing on Brave, you know, wrote and directed Brave. And I found that when I was in the the animation, I was very frustrated because the process, you know, is very slow. It's step by step. Right. It's siloed each each department. And so as a uh, director, I am not working in context. Right. I'm working from storyboards, that's one process. Then into layout, that's another process. Then into animation, that's another process. You yeah. don't see everything together until it comes to lighting. So if you want—if I want to change anything, you know, it, it's its a lot of money. There's a lot of water okay. under the So punch. expensive. Yeah. Versus working on John Carter, where everything is essentially real time. I had the actors, I had the sets, I had the lights. I could see through the camera. If the scene was working or not, I could make the change immediately. So when I came back to... When I was done with Brave, I approached Jim Morrison Ed Catmull. I said, I want to do it differently, right? I want to incorporate. I want to skip the 2D side of it altogether. <laughs> I don't need it. I want to jump right into 3D because the tools are fast enough and the artists are, are, are versatile enough that they can, we can go right into 3D. So I can be in the 3D context of my story sooner rather than later. And so to do this, we used... Motion capture, right? Uh Pixar built a volume, a 70 by 80 foot volume is the biggest volume that was up here in the Bay Area at the time. Huh. But ultimately I had I had left Pixar back in 2018, but this idea is still in my head. So I'd been developing this 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 process uh, with Pixar for six years. And so when I was leaving and I'm going around town pitching ideas and seeing what people want, you know, they're pitching to me. I kept adding on and I'm going to do it this way, yeah. you know, do this virtual production pipeline. And then I met two guys, Paul Fleschner and Adam Meyer, who were at Fox Labs at the time, and they were doing the same thing. They were the uh, people, two of the people behind Mouse Guard, if you had seen that trailer, mm-hmm. which was all done in engine. And that was the missing ingredient was adding the engine, the game engine, because it became the hub for everything. And so when Real Effects approached me to direct Super Supergiant Robot Brothers, I said, great, I'll do it, but only if we do it this way. And they had already been dabbling and thinking about this virtual pipeline process, but it was, you know, a, a director. Somebody up there has got to push that boulder, you know, so it could go down the hill and get momentum. They're the first ones to really demonstrate that high quality animation could be created using real time game engine. And we used Unreal specifically. And then we created this virtual production pipeline.
0: Awesome. That's really great. Yeah, I have a few ideas like that, too, that I'm like, I can't quite use here, but maybe eventually. And that's that's really amazing. OK, so you skipped storyboarding pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which Throw is my
0: thing. So that's kind of
1: interesting, which, which is my thing. Well, you yeah. know, storyboard is is essentially your storyboard. Artist should be your cinematographer, your editor. And a, a second unit director, because every storyboard artist is handling a sequence of their own, right? So it's your first step at visualizing the movie, right? But not every storyboard artist is created equal, right? So there's a lot of work to get it up to, to speed, right? To look like one person did it or to be in that director's style and vision. So there's a, there's a lot of work, and it takes a long time, even if you're as fast as I am. Right. Yeah. It takes a long time when I'm on stage with a virtual camera and I have the motion capture actors right there. The first thing I do is I, I, I'm not worried about the camera. I'm constructing the scene. I'm constructing the story because that's the most important part. Right. Mm-hmm. With with my actors. Once I get that, then I bring in my my virtual cam, the V cam. And then I shoot and I find the story within there and I can shoot one side, the other side, I can shoot coverage. We don't have this in yeah. animation. So it's much more of a live action feel, but I can also be a boom, a helicopter, a drone, a dolly. I can be all these different things just by holding it and, and, and walking the camera. So what you have at the end of the day is we would shoot, I'll just give you an example of timing, right? To storyboard an episode an episodic, you got about 4 to 8 weeks, yes. right? Yep. To get your storyboard done for the episode. I was shooting a complete episode in a week and a half. So, how do you compete mathematically for that? My thing's going to editorial as the storyboard artist is is only a couple weeks in. Yeah. And yeah. it's already in 3D. So, I'm doing dimensional moves. It's light speed ahead of the traditional process. Yeah. And if I don't like it in editorial, if I don't like a scene, if I don't like a shot, if I don't, I could go in surgically. And because I have the actors are captured, it's permanent, right? I have that recording forever. I yeah. can reshoot if I want, or I could go in and just refilm this one bit of the scene and then plug it into editorial. So even the editors now, instead of an assembly line putting these storyboards together. Yeah, I'm messing with timing. They have actual footage that has actual real timing that they Incredible. get to react to. So an yeah. editor is a full fledged editor in this process. And I get there. I get their objective lens on the story that I just shot. So that's a new added uh, material in a much much bigger, much more important way than our traditional you know way of doing things. Yeah, we you, we you did, did draw have them. animators or. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm not pulling, you know, uh, the animator's going to touch it, right? This is my, suddenly, this is my rough storyboard. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then you go into editorial,
0: and then you had animation work on it. Once it's through
1: editorial, and I've I've edited it, and and it's locked, right? And even the executives get to see the show before they would actually Mm. in a traditional pipeline. A traditional pipeline, it has to be animated before your execs see it, and if they have any notes, too bad, it's too late. Right yeah. on the episode, and you already have Ep- lighting, episodic. you already have textures, we you have lighting, we have, we have, effects, we have some probably, yeah, yeah, we have, we have, we have a lot more than you usually do, you know. And yeah. when I send it to the animators, the animators loved it, they had the timing was locked, there was no animation growth at all because yeah. I've already shown that it could work, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'm doing like 12 frame cuts, 10 frame cuts, you know, because this is an action oriented dynamic. Comedy. I, t- I would talk about Edgar Wright, you know, the way he cuts, his cutting is a character in the film. And I wanted that style, that sophistication in this episode. I wanted dynamic camera moves like yeah. you get out of a Michael Bay film yeah. that you can't do in animation because it's just too costly. So I had everything. Talk you know? about this and camera
0: so, as a character. I like I like that concept.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. the camera is also a character. I mean, you can be self-aware. I mean, the camera can play in and punch punch in jokes, you know, by the yeah. way it's reacting, right? Yeah. So the yeah. camera becomes almost this conscious v- viewfinder, right, of what we're seeing. So I'm in the cinematography. I'm a huge cinematography nerd. I had a fabulous DP uh, with me on set, Enrico Targhetti And uh, we just had a blast <laughs> pushing everything, pushing yeah. angles, pushing moves. I mean, even pushing lighting where we change the lighting up on certain shots in the show and go to something that's very uncharacteristic that feels a little bit more anime. You know, for example, yeah. we have this one shot of, Thunder leaping through the air, all of 300 to chop this kaiju in half and split him in this big kind of like samurai move. And I go in slow motion. You don't see a lot of slow motion in animation. I'm I'm the one who uses it a a lot. And I noticed that shot. Like it was was awesome.
0: I was like, whoa, this is
1: something like it wasn't. And then it goes to silhouette, right? It's just super red. And he's black, and it's supposed to be a sunny day out in the desert. But we can do that. I'm leaning into yeah. this is a gra- this is a graphic show, yeah, and and it's an animated show. So I'm leaning into the animation, right? I'm not trying to go real. I'm not trying to push yeah. any kind of reality. Yeah. So let's have fun with it. So. The camera allows us to do that. The lighting allows us to do that. You know, uh, the animation and the the animators at Real Effect just took it and ran with it. They came up with great, great, great stuff. And we animated to, uh, I didn't want it on once, right? There was no such thing as people. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So I wanted the animators to to go from pose to pose and have fun, right? Yeah. We call it snap and ease Is was our style. So you would hold and it would be a blink would could be. That's all what we need because we had five hours of footage to do in less than go a year. Through.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I noticed some shots like there was a guy in a cockpit and he hardly yeah. moved. And I thought, wow,
1: that, that just, would just
0: go through like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just a yeah, head turn. Exactly. Just a head turn. Yeah. And I've already motion captured the plane. So the plane was me, you know, on the stage, zipping the plane around. Yeah. It was a much more dynamic, dynamic process. I mean, we did draw, right? But what we did was I had uh, three artists... And then me as the fourth artist, and we were turning around. What we did was we comic booked the movie, ah, so okay. we took the script and we turned it into a comic book, and okay. <laughs> and we were turning around a an entire you know thirty five page script every week. Wow. So in in ten weeks we were done storyboarding the entire show by making a comic book, kind of and board. the comic book became our shot list on mm-hmm. the stage. Yeah, right, because you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about editing, right? All the comic book artists uh, or story artists had to do was worry about the visual storytelling, right? But they can do one panel. They can have word bubbles for a talking scene. I'll do the head to head, the cut to cut, you know, all that stuff on the stage. But where are we? Who's talking? What's the dynamics or the, or the mood of the scene. Mm -hmm. And that would cover it in a comic book. And the comic book would then go out to all departments. So now everybody everybody knows what the, can read a comic book. Everybody loves comics, yeah. you know, and you know exactly what's going on. So the comic also became our asset generator. So from a production wise thing, right? Everybody looks at the script and goes, "We need this, 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 and this." But in the script, it doesn't tell you how you're going to see it. So there's these huge assumptions that start sinking the production. It starts overburdening it and weighing it down. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Okay, you have your initial list, but don't freak out. Now look at the comic book and budget off the comic book, right? Yeah. So now you see exactly how we're going to see that city, exactly how long the jet or whatever is going to be on, on frame. If it's on for two panels, you know it's not going to be on very long, Yeah. right? And where the action takes place. So So that starts reducing the budget because we know – what kind of assets we tighten that asset belt, you know, as tight as we can. So we were working within these limitations and the quality never suffered for it. That's so cool.
0: Ah, I love hearing about it. It's awesome. I love (laughs) your energy. And that's what I want to talk about next is your energy. Yeah. Because, I mean, you have worked on so many projects and I remember specifically hearing your name and I'm pretty sure it was your name, that the opening sequence of Toy Story 3 just wasn't working. And so they had you come in and just like, redo everything and just really kind of filtered all this stuff through you and it ended up in this brilliant sequence that just i mean it just grabbed me and pulled me in i was a fan of the first two stories toy stories but toy story three like really hit home for me i I suddenly Mm -hmm. became a bigger fan of all three and i think it partially has to do with that opening sequence so yeah you can talk about that and i also like to just hear about how you move from project to project why people want to work with you specifically,
1: and what you bring to the table when when that happens? Right. Well, in the case of Toy Story three, you know, I've you know always been classified as the action guy, you know, yeah. and so they wanted to have a big rip roaring action sequence. So yeah. this is, you know, I've already been head of story on uh, Incredibles at that time, and yeah. I was in development. They asked me to direct, so I was sitting in development working on some of my some of my ideas. For Pixar, when producers stepped into my office and they said, John would like you to go with this action sequence in this vein of this kind of B monster movie, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm all great. So they pitched me what they wanted. And I just jumped in there and, and knocked them out of board and, you know, gave them a lot, you know, yeah. so they didn't use all of it, you know, right. and yeah. they cut down what they needed. And, oh, and, awesome. and there you go. That also happened on Bolt. I did the same thing for the opening action sequence on Bolt. I didn't actually board, but I went down and talked to the team down there, the director of where to get this, you know, what they can do for, you know, to punch up the action. That's brilliant. That's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know i've been the i've been the action guy i handled most of the action sequences in in iron giant yeah and then uh you know brad had asked me to come up to pixar and be his head of story on incredibles you know which is which was a fantastic and that's just an action superhero movie you know um so but action is something that i i I just love those are all the kinds of films i watched growing up they were the Uh, fantasy and sci-fi stuff or was action i'd love you know sinbad you know were some of the first movies i saw when i was uh, uh, a little kid you know and that was those were kind of my star wars and then star wars came out you know and i'm all huh, oh, when i was in fourth grade i was like ah oh, that's a culmination of everything that i'd seen up to that point so that's what i was just emulating i was emulating the dynamics you know that speed the tension the intensity mm-hmm. um i was not a disney file growing up as a kid i, huh. I mean i appreciated the animation and yeah, the shorts yeah. but i was much more of the tech Savory, warner brothers kind of fan and, and i watched anime you know growing up watching all oh, the japanese anime that yeah. would come over here kimba the white lion yeah speed racer uh, Gotchaman or yeah. G-Force, Robotech, you know, Star Blazers, right? Th- those were my those were my those were my films. So I was fully set in that kind of uh universe. Yeah, um so even on Quest for Camelot when I was a storyboard artist on that, you know, yeah. I would get the action scenes, the opening, you know, a Griffin steals Excalibur. I mean, that sounds awesome on paper, right? Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. try to make it as awesome as I could, you know, blowing out the the torches and so you couldn't see it and revealing it you know so i remember back in those days when brad bird had uh, warner's brought all the turner library right so then all of a sudden we got brad Bird, right i had yes. seen what he was doing on ray gunn back in the day and i was excited to to possibly work with this guy right and brad started hiring uh, all these artists to come over on on Iron Giant, and I wasn't getting picked, right? So my my pride was a little stung. I'm all, well, I'm better than all these guys. Um, <laughs> why, why am I not being seen? You know? Oh, boy. And, and <laughs> what I realized later, once I finally got over there, I was one of the last guys hired over there. I went over, I walk in, and Brad Bird and Jeff Lynch, they had a story with there, and he's all, thank God you're right. And I'm all, well, we're the first guy we asked for? What? Yeah, out of all the stuff that they saw, they wanted me first. But the director and the producers would not let me go on *Quest for Camelot*. So that's the first time I understand. I I I started to understand an artist's worth, right? And when you get somebody really good, you do not let them go. Yeah. Right. So I was like, okay, great. What sequence do you want me to work on? Give. Here's the opening. Here's this action sequence. Here's this action sequence. And you're getting the entire ending, you know, so b- aborted a lot of, of Iron Giant. And then after that, that's that that reputation, right, of someone who delivers, somebody who's vast, somebody who's talented. Then people start knocking on your door and you start getting calls. So yeah, then yeah. I was on to the next movie, Osmosis Jones, as head of story, that was a bump up. And then we were done with that. I did not like that project uh, at all. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Or the leadership, you know. Yeah, It was yeah. just, we kind of took a step backwards after Brad Bird. And then after that, my had a story on, on Iron Giant called me for to work on Spider-Man's, uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So I left Warners and did live action. And that was a fantastic nine to 10 months working with Sam because he really appreciates the storyboards. And he said, you board it, I shoot it. And it's <laughs> almost one for one on all the sequences I did for that. Wow. And then Brad called me again to work on Incredibles. Yes. So I was, I was up for at Pixar for for 18 years doing that. But I think what you get with me is you get a passion, right? I mean, I love I film. <laughs> I love storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love visual storytelling. I love cin- cinematography. You know, I've had some fantastic mentors, you know, in the past. Bill Croyer, Brad Bird, of course, Jeff Lynch, uh, Sam Raimi, you know. And so I- I've been essentially trained by some of the, some of the very best I know. out there. And, yeah. you know, what I've learned is nobody knows what they're talking about. And the proof is in the pudding. Right. Yeah. And so I just want to get to the proof in the pudding. I don't want to talk about a scene. I don't want to talk about the ins and outs and stuff. I just want to get in there and start boarding it and start examining it, start actually doing it, because that's going to be your best feedback. You know, so the faster that process is, the better your your film or your, you know, your episode is going to to be because you can actually see what's what's going on. And but that's what you it. get with to. me, you know. Yeah. You get you get you get that passion, and you get the workhorse. You know, I'm yeah. a workhorse. I know this is time is money, and so you need to get to those answers fast. And that's why I'm sometimes I'm I'm deemed the the the, the loose cannon, right? <laughs> or the or the black sheep. They called us at pix at Pixar. They called uh, when Brad went to Pixar. He brought about 12 artists or so. So they called us the Dirty Dozen, you know, because the we're Dirty Dozen. We're guerrilla fighters. You you know, strong coffee, right? <laughs> yeah, we're strong coffee. What Brad calls strong coffee, yeah. but that's that's what you need. Every production needs strong coffee. Those passionate people to get to to crack through it and get stuff done. You yeah, know?
0: I think I wanted those too. I really related to that. You talked about the value of the artist and how yeah. if you do speed and quality and you're great to work with, then you know people are just always knocking on your door and. And people will ask me, like, what's the strategy for continually getting work and, and ha- finding success? And that's the that's the main thing I I can even give them as well. Yeah, and I I love how you are willing to be a loose cannon. and you've made that work. I, I had somebody I asked who they had their first directing gig and it fell through. They were really sad about it. And they said, We don't have any proof. And I was like, Well, come on the show, we'll we'll make proof, you know? <laughs> I right, said, right. Well, I, I don't want to spill the industry tea, is what the person said to be, which I understand, that's their decision, but right. um, it doesn't seem like you're you're too concerned
1: about that. I'm not. I'm not concerned about spilling the tea. Let spill. Spill the damn tea if it if it needs to be spilled. It's not yeah. that I'm if aggressive. I'm gonna attack. Right. You're not gonna you be know?
0: behind people's back like crafting like a uh, I don't know <laughs> a way yeah. to destroy somebody. But no, you know,
1: no, no. There's nothing Machiavellian in it. Yeah, this yeah. Is a, this is an industry, and we got to get stuff done. You yes. know, I was at Annecy you know, sharing one man band at Annecy, you know, it yeah. wasn't up for the, you know, for the festival. It was just, that we brought it out to show, right. And that yeah. kind of kicked everything off in 2005 at Annecy. And I was talking to a bunch of people out there in the European animation industry, and they take six to eight years to get shorts done and things to get made because it isn't an industry over in, in Europe, right. It's more of an art form. And so, but there isn't that drive and that push yeah. And they really lamented that fact. They want to get stuff done and they want to yeah. move on to the next thing, you know, yeah, yeah. not take several years to get something done. And and that's what we're in. You know, it, film is art, right? We're dealing with a bunch of super talented artists, but we need to do it on a timetable and on a budget, right, to right. to stay employed. So yeah. the best practice is, is get your deadline in you know, finish, finish by your deadline and make it awesome. Make it as awesome as you can in in the time that you have.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, it seems like the world needs more people who are willing to say the emperor is wearing no clothes, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) Why are we, why are we sitting here
1: watching it? I walk around naked all the time uh, figuratively <laughs> figuratively yeah, yeah, yeah. um especially when we were working on Supergiant Robo Brothers we're developing this uh, this production method using this technology that had never been used in this way a game engine's fantastic for making games right mm-hmm. and for the 90% of the things that we did on Super Giant Robo Brothers that Unreal was fantastic at there's a lethal 10% that it didn't do didn't, didn't do what I needed very good and yeah. so we had to write our real effects had to write our own software our own proprietary stuff to hurdle those those deep deep chasms yeah you know we've to, had that to, too to, to make it happen yeah. and yeah and uh, you know i don't know if everybody's been watching the light and magic documentary on ilm but that same feel that they had at ilm in the early days with a bunch of just cowboys doing stuff and not really knowing kind of what they're doing and making up as they go along. That's what me and the team were doing at Real Effects on Supergiant Robot Brothers, you know, and developing this cutting edge or using this technology that's been around, right, mm-hmm. but using it in a way that nobody else has used it before to get this very high quality product at, at the end. And yeah. this is the leading edge of what's happening, coming in animation, And what it really allows people to do is it allows smaller studios to what I call punch above their weight, (laughs) you know, and rival the big studios. You know, at Pixar, we would always be looking in the rearview mirror and seeing which studios are getting close, right, in our rearview mirror. and They're right on our bumper. Now, forget it. Now smaller studios can be neck and neck with with the Pixars and the Disneys and the Dreamworks. Yeah. I mean, they're they're lethargic dinosaurs at this point who who haven't been innovating for the last 10, 15 years, you know. <laughs> I love that's, that you don't
0: mince words. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that's well, it's the truth. That's strong the coffee. Reality?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a reality. And great things happen when disruptors come in. Mm-hmm. Right, and at yeah. first the directors are, are are told no, no, no. I mean, I have to take my hat off to Zemeckis for even getting into motion capture and doing off his movies that he did in motion capture because he really pushed that technology right to mm-hmm. to to get it there. And then you have Favreau, right, and James Cameron, you know, pushing the motion capture technology now bringing in Game Engine to. To uh, you know, help do their series and their movies. I mean, using yeah. Unity, you know, for Jungle Book and and right. Lion King. I mean, these guys are disruptors that are taking a tool because that's all it is. It's just a tool, and using it in a new way to help get their visions out. And it could only come from there. That's that wasn't a these changes aren't a studio mandate. <laughs> it's yeah. not coming from the brass. It's got to come from the, the, the artists, right? Yeah. It's got to be director driven that they say, no, I'm doing it this way. Just like George Lucas did way back in the 70s. He had to build his own effects company to do the movie the way he wanted. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you, uh, Those are the stories you treasure, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, I have had conversations. It's, it's interesting that um, the majority of people I talk to, when I talk to about that kind of a project, like the Rocky or the, you know, the George Lucas film or or whatever, where somebody took a risk and lightning struck and it worked. Uh, Most people are like, ah, but that only happens every once in a while. And most people are just don't think it can happen again or don't think that, you know, I or you or whoever can do it. And I I love that tenacity that you just jump in and you do it. You know, for years, people have been saying, yeah, we're going to use Unreal Engine. I've been at studios that have said that. And there's a rare few small studios that are already doing it doing it well. Yeah,
1: well and there's uh, there's some great hurdles, you know, to yeah. to doing it, to using it, you yeah. know, that last 10% that it, yes. that it, it can't do that you have to you have to figure out those patches. And Epic, don't get me wrong, Epic was a fabulous partner on yeah. super Roller Bros. We had the hotline, you know, we had yeah. a red phone and go how do we do this? Get Epic on the horn. You yeah. know, we call Epic, and you know their guys would come over and get in the discussion and help our guys. You know, so it was really dynamic, and they were really invested in us being a you know very successful uh, at this. But uh, like I said, the proof is in the pudding. You cannot argue with. Five hours of content done in 20 plus. Yeah. That looks fantastic. Yeah. Can it look more fantastic? Yes, it can. Yeah. Right, but that just requires money. You know, I mean, if you look at it in the context of how fast we did it, how many artists we had, I mean, it's world record. I mean, are my an- the animators were were animating 25 to 30 seconds a week. Yeah. Nobody does that. Nobody does that in the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to have massive teams and. Korea or India or something you know to have that much and this was a very tight crew you know uh, uh of animators working and everybody had a blast it was energizing for them to work in it it work in a different way right, right. Uh, uh, and they and they loved it they had a you won't, you won't find any upset animators all right at real effects that worked <laughs> out to the i can say that with confidence that's awesome i love that
0: I love that. So any other things like you've already touched on several things that you think could make the industry a better place. Are there any other things like forward thinking that you think could make the industry a better place for artists animators?
1: Well, I think this is going to be a huge thing, you know, Mm -hmm. just that let me take a step back to the people who say, Oh, this, you know, industry, these big things that kind of change everything. And it's so long in between things happening. They're forgetting that they're writing They're riding that wave. Mm -hmm. Right. George Lucas kind of inspired and did all these things. So the effect isn't singular. That singular effect branches out. Mm, Right. And spreads. I mean, look at how many movies, special effects movies we have now. Right. Every Marvel movie, every Star Wars movie, every sci fi movie are special effects heavy because of this one freaking person right look at what pixar did doing animation in 3d it's the same kit right using this computer as a tool to have more control and power when you're making creating these worlds right and the first toy story is just evident of that right how beautiful it was we've never seen anything in animation like it we've got dimensional moves in animation yeah. for the first time that aren't cheated by packs you know and stuff that has boom we only have 3D animated movies, now, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And that's that's that one disruptor going bang, right? And there's everything. So with this new virtual production pipeline, what we're going to have is we're going to have even more stories being told, right? Yeah. With the advent of streaming. Streaming has done this boom thing of this, how much content is king now, you know? And with this the barrier for entry of doing your film or your show Mm -hmm. or your idea has suddenly been given to the masses by these unreal engines, right? I don't need a studio who employs 300 people to make my movie. Right. I just need a couple of million bucks to get, you know, 20 to 30 artists and I can make my own feature. I can make my own, episodic series i can you know what i mean oh yeah So that kicks the door open on different voices that are going to be coming out in into this world and arena and then you get much more content that's going to come out for good yeah. and bad yes. you know? yeah yeah i know
0: miyazaki but, was lamenting that boom in anime and he's like i feel like i'm pouring a bucket of water onto a flood and am i yeah, con- oh, yeah. am i contributing to the problem is what he would say but then he'd say well I'm trying to make the best possible images and movies I can. So every once in a while, even in a flood, you need some good water. You need a bucket of good water.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. uh... And it's and it's a business, you know, and uh, he's lamenting the competitive factor, you know, that you have all eyes on the new stuff and what the kids, you know, uh, and not just kids. I mean, anybody younger than me is a kid, but just what, you know, these these audiences, how they're ingesting their content now uh, and what they're ingesting. They need to be constantly fed. And Miyazaki, for as amazing as most of his movies are, can't keep his audience fed. Right. So, yep. so now the audience is going to be fed and there's going to be new voices out there, you yeah. know? And, and that's, the, that's the exciting thing to me is who are these new voices, right? Who are these, this tribe and traditional way of even storytelling, right? How do we break that up, mm-hmm. right? So that we're not following the same adages that we were following even 20 years ago, right. you know? These handbooks. Uh, about storytelling and these people who were, I mean, it reminds me of writing, right? Back in the day when religion controlled all the documents, right? That only the scribes were inside the church, right? Mm -hmm. Once a guy invented the printing press, boom, it exploded for good, right? And there was nobody gatekeeping how it's being done, right? right? And I feel these studios are gatekeeping how movies are being being made and that you have to have super special magic powers even to make a movie. And it's like, you dumb. you have to be passionate and have a story to tell and get the right people for the job. Yeah. Off you go.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Because from the beginning, that's what I, that's what I've done. I've been like, I want to make a movie. Oh, I don't have a studio. Well, I'll I'll write this book and then I'll pitch it at studios. Yeah. And I found out very quickly that that was hard. So um, I did a short on my own and then I kept doing more of these feature film pitches. But it's like it takes forever to get one of these balls rolling and somebody to to invest in you. And it's like, well, why can't I just invest in myself? Why can't I just go and totally do it? Totally can. And, you can, yeah.
1: you can kickstart your movie right now. You can Patreon your movie right now. I mean, yeah. everybody's looking for content. There's investors out there yeah. who want to invest in things. And, and Unreal is free. You can download it yeah. right now, everybody, onto your thing and start making shit. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Th- it's that's not a problem. You know, you get people around you. You can. That's that's the exciting thing, right? It allows you to punch above your weight. You mm-hmm. know, and there's a lot of vendor studios right now that don't want to be vendors anymore. They want to make their own stuff, and it's gonna happen. You know, I say it's a five years, and the whole thing will transform. And other people yeah. that I know have been in the industry a lot longer who get this process go. It's already happening. The, the die is already cast, right? You yeah. can't stop. It's going to be two years and the industry is going to be absolutely changed. Yeah. And it doesn't mean everybody who's listening that you lose your jobs. That's not what's happening, <laughs> right? It isn't the the car replacing the horse. That's not what's yeah. happening here. What this does is it, it's, it's changing the landscape. So you have more access. You have more authorship right Mm. of the things that you're making you're behind it's smaller crews doing many many more things right so it's 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 a different it's 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 not a a revolution right it's a renaissance that's happening it's a renaissance and 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 that's what's that's what's coming down the pike so anybody who's listening if you're not an unreal already get an unreal (laughs) learn an unreal yeah, you can do everything Unreal, and that will get you those those jobs because right now there's not enough people.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's the hardest you thing know? we've been able to. At Space Station, we're always looking for that person who could assemble scenes and do some lighting and just really engage with Unreal. And we, where's that person? It's been so hard to find them, and yeah. and Space Station is still cranking out about seven minutes a month, um, right? And releasing those episodes on YouTube, and the the viewership is growing and. Now there are multi-language channels and there's lots of growth there that's really exciting at the same time it's like wow it, unreal is really what unlocked
1: that and and the right people yeah yeah but, yeah and, and, the, and there needs to be more and more people i mean on real effects we were hiding hiring people right out of school of any unreal experience you know yeah and it was like my days back during the renaissance of i was in school you know i was yeah. at cal arts when when the animation was dead it was absolutely dead as a doornail you know the last thing you had was great mouse detective and and yeah. the other one that they made at the same time right the black cauldron right yeah yeah, yeah. and it was it dead dead nothing animation No, too expensive no for the only animation that was alive was saturday morning cartoons and stuff that was mm-hmm. on in the afternoon which was being replaced by anime right yeah at the time coming over because from- they already had their boom and and there he had it, and they're uh, they're always in the boom, right? And they're just redubbing them. And then Little Mermaid comes out, and animation is back on the plate. All of a sudden, boop, boop, boop. These animation studios start popping up, and they had the same problem we're having now at this Renaissance. There's not enough people back then who knew how to animate, mm-hmm. right? Now there it's wasn't unreal. enough artists. Yeah. Now it's unreal. Right, so yeah. the, the 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 paychecks for these people in demand are just going to go up and up and up, or we'll see a great exodus from video games. Oh yeah, all the folks that are in video games using Unreal will now go into the content. And then video games of, will have to be stories. better with
0: there because I know that video
1: game conditions yeah. can be very poor, very rough, and very so, rough. Yeah. Same thing with visual effects companies. Visual mm-hmm. effects companies, it's very 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 rough. You know conditions. You know working uh, for a VFX studio. But now, you know, they're going to have to pay more, right, to keep that talent, right? To make these, you know, incredible, incredible movies. And treat them better and all all of the above. So I love that. It's a renaissance. It's the power is coming back to the artist, which is where it needs to be. Yeah, So good. So
0: my last question is the get wiser moment. And the question is, if my goal is to get the highest concentration of truth into a story, into a film, what approach would you recommend?
1: Well, uh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I, I know. think I think. That's I why think I ask truth, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the truth, uh, 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 you know, truth comes from the creator, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're the director, you're the creator. If you're not honest with yourself, there's no amount of, you know, work that can be done to make your your film and your story honest. Yeah. So you, the first place is you have to be honest to yourself. Yeah. And I think you have to be hungry, too. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people don't get is that. Mm-hmm. If you've done it uh, forever, I see a lot of filmmakers lose that hunger, lose that passion and that energy. And so, yeah, there are several incentives
0: incentives for you to not be hungry anymore or to to not be continually searching for the truth. Because you have this advantage if you just align with this way of thinking or, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. You you just dial down right to it right away. Yeah. (laughs) Be honest with yourself.
1: Be honest, honest and hungry honest if you're really hungry I mean it's a job right and I yeah. think that there's there is this there is this you only get one shot so it has to be uh, you know yeah yeah and, yeah and that isn't honest I don't think that's real it's I not. don't think that's a reality no it's not. you know to be precious with this thing uh, you mm. know it's a job and you don't control the story. The story is ultimately going to control you. Yes. You, know? you need to be so, the, the slave of the story, not the master. You, you're the slave. Yes. You support yeah. it. And there has to be a passion and a hunger, you know, and, a, and an honesty. That's yeah. part of the truth, you know, the honesty of it. The, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. It's always the same. Proof is in the pudding. I don't care what ingredients you show me. Make me the cake. Yeah. Make me the cake first. And then I'll tell you if it's working or not, you know. Love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. So if people want to follow you, connect with you
0: on social media or whatever, where should they go?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, uh, LinkedIn is a good place. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Those are pretty much the only two I do. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> You're wise with your time. So Yes, yes. I do not have yeah. the time to be a social media you know, magnet, you know. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. The way to engage with Mark is to watch his his content,
1: <laughs> right? Or, or come see me. Yeah. I'll be at Lightbox this year. Um, oh yes, yeah, same here. Um, October fourteenth through the sixteenth. So come yep. see my panel lecture. I'll be talking about uh, the magic, uh, you know, of uh, virtual production pipelines. Yes, yeah. real time pipelines. So come come see me talk.
0: Catch really? me there. Awesome. Please do come. Come see me too. Yep, thanks time, for having me, Scott. Oh yeah, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. And until next time, I hope we all get a little wiser. <laughs> Thank you for watching the directing animation livecast hosted by Scott Wiser. Audio version edited by Kira Horowitz. Copyright Scott Wiser LLC, 2022. Don't forget to subscribe
1: on YouTube and ring that notification bell.